Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast. With Al and Brian. Forty Nine ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, part of the Odyssey Network. I'm Al Sacco with Brian Rennick. Like the show, subscribe. We appreciate all you guys listening. Big game, I think, this weekend for the Niners, Brian. Yes. This game typically, and we'll get into it. We got a couple things we want to talk about before, but this game typically would be a trap game. I feel like, and the the line, the betting line, kind of started out that way because the betting line was like three and a half, four when this game initially opened, let mm-hmm. down after the Cowboys game, going to the East coast, one o'clock start, the weather might be bad, but now it doesn't look like Deshaun Watson's going to play. And that line has gone up to eight from what I've seen. <laughs> so people are looking at this differently. Yeah. Money's probably coming in on the Niners. Um, and it could have been a trap game. I guess I could have seen that, but now I don't believe that it will be. And we'll get into it. Excuse me. We'll get into that for this game where I think the Niners are going to be in good shape again. But we had a couple things we wanted to hit on, Brian, that we, you and I were just talking off the air and texting yeah. a couple things. You know, we'll read things and just want to hit on this or that. First one I want to talk about was the Steven Ruiz fella. Now, <laughs> Steven Ruiz is what is he does podcasts and writes for the ringer. Yeah. So, yeah. So he is, uh, he's a part of uh, the ringer's NFL coverage. He writes for the ringer and then he does a podcast with Nora Princiati uh, called dual threat. Um, And it was, he's the main character on 49ers Twitter right now. And the reason being is because to start the season. So the, the big brouhaha is he does their quarterback rankings each week. Mm -hmm. And to start the season, he had Brock Purdy ranked as his 32 number 32 quarterback. Right. So he felt like Brock Purdy going into the season was the worst quarterback, the worst starting quarterback uh, in, in the NFL. And since Brock Purdy's start uh, to the season, he has elevated him up to all the way to number 22 uh, behind guys like 
Ryan Tannehill and Geno Smith and Russell Wilson and wow. uh, a handful of other guys, uh, including CJ Stroud, the rookie. And he's been, he, he's been, it's funny. I just listened to the most recent episode of Dual Threat, which came out today. And I listened to it because there was a section where essentially he was trying to defend or explain his his standings because he's been getting calls from 49ers podcast, 49ers or, or uh, Bay Area Radio. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle uh, called him uh, to get, you know, to get his to get his take or whatever. And so it, it's it's been interesting. Um, and it really, I think it really, the ire that he is getting is from 49er fans who have been so impressed with Brock Purdy in this start. And it really, really is just reflective to me. And I think, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit of, to me, the kind of the disconnect between the level of Brock Purdy's play and how this 49ers offense has operated through the first five games. And the level of respect that Brock Purdy is getting from analysts and, and media uh, to start the season. And I, and that's really the conversation that I think is, is most interesting to have. Well, Peter King had said something in his article too, which uh, that I read that sort of brought it more to my attention when Peter King is calling out on it and just the ridiculousness of it all that, yeah. how well this guy's playing and, and to rank him like that. And I actually just pulled up his rankings. He's got Daniel Jones at 20th. Yeah. That's, uh, a, that's the other one I can think of. Yeah. Like it's comical. I know he had Mac Jones raked ahead of him recently. Not anymore. It's, yeah. ju it's just crazy. You know what this is to me, just because you can watch film and everybody can do the all 22 now, doesn't mean you know what you're looking at. And I'm not saying I do. I'm not saying I, I'm going to look at a film and be like, oh, yeah, this is a go route, and he should have done this. And the same. I don't, I don't know that stuff. I'm not saying that I do. But I just think you get a lot of these guys who watch it and just try to find things to feel like they're smarter than they are. Or just they fall in love with these guys. Like Justin Herbert's a phenomenally talented quarterback, and I'm, I, mm -hmm. I still think he's one of the upper echelon quarterbacks in the league. Mm -hmm. But like yeah. the film nerds love him. Love and, Justin and, Herbert and Steven Ruiz loves him. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that does not surprise me at all. Yeah. Film people like Trevor Lawrence is a good example. Trevor Lawrence did a lot of good things this past weekend in London against the bills. A mm -hmm. lot of good things. He made one incredible throw and a touchdown pass really good plays, but he also turned the ball over twice in the red zone. Yeah. One of them was a blind, a blind side sack. The other one, he was kind of being careless with it. So they were talking about him in the game, like how great he's playing and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, he's playing well, but he's got two red zone turnovers. Like that has to count for something. Taking care of the right. football and making the right decisions has to count for something. And I've talked about it before. Like, I just think you have this group of people now who, unless a quarterback is rolling out and throwing a seed 40 yards downfield in, a, in the perfect spot, they're like, oh, they're, they're just not that good. They're a system QB or they wouldn't be good in, in another spot. And I was listening to a little bit of Stephen Ruiz today as I was researching this. And he was talking about, well, if you put this quarterback in an average offense, they wouldn't mm -hmm. be as, as good. Of course mm -hmm. not. If you put any quarterback in a, in, a, in a bad spot, they wouldn't be as good. And I just wonder if some of these guys, if they were around in like the eighties and did this, they'd probably pick holes in Montana too. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like they yeah. would find ways to, 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 because Montana wasn't the most physically gifted guy in the world, but he was poised. No. He was smart. Yep. And if you're going to put Mac Jones 
ahead of Brock Purdy. I'll just go on on this. Forget about all the other million things you could say that Purdy's better than Mac Jones at. Yeah. What about the poise? Right. What about the calmness? Mm-hmm. Mac Jones, he's letting the game blow up all over the place. He's throwing pick sixes. He's chucking the ball up there. Purdy, it's the moment's never too big. It's never too big. And I think yeah. any of your analytics or things that people are looking at, you have to look at the human element. And this guy is poised. This guy is smart. This guy's mechanics is re- are really good. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to play point guard. He knows how to play in the system. He's smart. He's accurate. And I think a lot of national people are starting to come come around to that now. Yeah. And, and part of this, part of why I wanted to talk about this was try and kind of discuss it and, and really figure out like what, where is this disconnect? Because it really is, it, it really, there really is a disconnect. There are those mm-hmm. that, that are praising Brock Purdy and, and there, there are more than just, you know, 49ers content creators and 49ers media members that, that are starting to praise him. Uh, you know, there are former players, Kirk, uh, Kurt Bankert, uh, who had a cup of coffee with the 49ers in 2022. Uh, JTO Sullivan waxes poetic about Brock Purdy every week on the QB school. Um, guys Irvin that have was. played. Yeah. Uh, Michael Irvin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys that have played the position. Hell, Skip Bayless said that he's getting Tom Brady vibes from Brock Purdy. Now, granted, that is a, <laughs> that is an inflammatory statement meant to drive engagement. I get that. But mm-hmm. I also think that to a certain extent, I understand what he's talking about. And, and, and largely it has nothing to do with his physical ability and, and everything to do with what you just talked about, his poise, his, mm-hmm. his pocket awareness, his pocket manipulation, his, his just enough mobility to be dangerous, right, type play. But also the football IQ knows where to go with the ball at all times. It, it, there is just there's there's so much more to be looked at with Brock Purdy's game than just ball placement, accuracy, you know, air yards, all that stuff. And I keep trying to I keep trying to figure out like why is this so why is this such a hot topic? Like what is it about Brock Purdy specifically? And 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 to me it feels like this. If Trey Lance was doing exactly what Brock Purdy was doing right now, people would be falling all over themselves to talk about whether Trey Lance is the next great quarterback in the NFL. I don't think there would be any argument that he'd be in the top 10 already because he's 6'4", he's 230, he's got a cannon Mm -hmm. arm, right? All those things. Brock Purdy was drafted with the last pick in the draft. And Trey Lance was drafted with the third pick in the draft. And Justin Herbert was a top 10 pick. And Joe Burrow was a top 10 pick. And Lamar Jackson was a first-round pick. Tua Tonga-Vailoa was a first-round pick. And it's almost like those that are working to diminish what Brock Purdy is doing are doing so because to admit that he is good is to admit that everybody missed on him when Mm -hmm. it comes to evaluating him coming out of Iowa state and all those things. And I genuinely think that's really what it is. It's, it's more about, it's more about ego than anything else. If if I'm being perfectly honest, I I genuinely think that's what it is. And, and here's the thing, you know, I spent all off season talking about how I still wanted to see Trey Lance get a chance in San Francisco because of the tantalizing potential that he had and the quote unquote higher ceiling 
that he had than Brock Purdy. And that had to do more with his draft status, what they get, what they gave up for him, his physical mm-hmm. abilities, things like that. And then Brock Purdy came out in week one and I went, oh, okay. All right. I was wrong. I was wrong. I I shouldn't even have really worried at all about, you know, whether Brock Purdy was, was the right choice for this team or not. Again, based on his, his body of work last season uh, and, and the fact that Kyle Shanahan was so confident and his teammates were so confident. And so to me, it, it is more, it is less about trying to figure out is Brock Purdy good and more about he can't be good because he was the last pick in the draft. And if the last pick in the draft can be this good, then the way that we evaluate quarterbacks is probably wrong. And mm-hmm. I, I can't take that. I can't take that blow to the ego. I think that's what it, that's what it is for a lot of these guys. And the other thing is, you know, these, and, and I, 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 I do find a ton of value in analytics. I am, I, I'm not a type of guy that thinks that analytics are, are, you know, for the birds. I, I, I respect analytics. Puzzle. It's a, a piece, piece of, of the puzzle. puzzle. Yeah. But I also think that analytics and football are so much different than analytics and baseball. Baseball is such an individual sport, right? It is the it is the pitcher against the batter. It is it is a sport with three true outcomes, right? When you talk about hitting, mm-hmm. you're either going to strike out, you're going to walk, or you're going to get a hit, right? There are three true outcomes. Um, and with analytics, with football, football is is it, football is. And this is going to sound like, well, yeah, duh. Football is inherently a team sport, right? Probably mm-hmm. the most team sport that we, you know, that that is popular now, right? Even yeah, in the NBA, that. you know, even in the NBA, it's a team sport, but there are individual players can that take can over. take over a yeah. game and win a game for his team. There really isn't one guy that can take over in the NFL, because even if you think it's the quarterback, unless that quarterback takes over by running the ball every time he gets it uh, from the center and he's, you know, rushing for 400 yards and six touchdowns, no one is individually. But even then, you've got your offensive line that is blocking for you. So I think I think when we look at this kind of stuff. And and we try and isolate the quarterback's performance you lose a lot of what makes some of these quarterbacks so good. And I think that's the case with Brock Purdy. And it seemed like people were waiting for him to turn into a pumpkin in that right. rough first half. He had that rough start on the Thursday night against the giants. People were, Oh, see that he almost threw an interception. He got lucky. It's, it, right. it's going to happen. And then he came out and he played well in the second half, but the last two weeks, 20 for 21 against the Cardinals. He was phenomenal. Then you say, well, it was the Cardinals. Let's see, he's going against this Dallas defense now, who I don't want to say shut him down in the playoffs, but held them down compared to what they've been doing. Only 19. He had his worst game against Dallas. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Now it's it's Sunday night. It's national TV against this Dallas pass rush. Pass rush. It's hard to say. (laughs) Oh man. Oh man. Uh, Is he going to turn into a pumpkin? And not only did he not turn into a pumpkin, he he was phenomenal in that game, a game where Christian McCaffrey only had 2.7 yards per carry. Purdy mm-hmm. comes out with, what, 252 yards or whatever it was and four TD yep. passes. And the only reason they didn't have, have more is because they didn't have to play much longer than the end of the third quarter. Yeah. If he had to play that whole game, he might have had five or six touchdown passes and 350 yeah. yards. He was that good. He was that dominant. So I don't think he's going to turn into a pumpkin. I think 
there's going to be another test this week against a really good defense. But mm-hmm. I really do believe what we're seeing here. This isn't a facade. And he's not a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen type that's going to maybe put the team on his back every week. You don't have to be if you have intangibles and, and you have moxie and you have mm-hmm. everything that he has. I really feel like the Niners have their franchise quarterback right now. And I don't know that I've ever really, really felt that way in a long time. So even with Garoppolo, it was like, yeah, but we'll see. Um, yeah, so this is good. This is good. Be happy if you're a Niners fan. Yes. Stop All waiting right, for him to turn into a pumpkin if you're a 49 Yeah, fan. I'm done with it. I, right now, yeah. I'm ready for just him to play his next good game. That's out of my head right now. And if he plays yep. like shit this weekend against Cleveland, I'll be like, all right, he's probably going to bounce back. Yeah. That's where I am with it right now. There's, there's not worry for me in, in that regard. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yep. All right. So I was reading an article today from Dan Graziano on ESPN. It was just kind of week six buzz, and they were talking about different things around the league. He was talking about teams uh, potentially that would add the trade deadline. He brought up the Bills because the Bills have been decimated by injuries on the, yeah. the defensive side. Matt Milano and mm-hmm. White and all those other guys. Like it's, mm-hmm. they, They're really in a tough spot. He said the Eagles could use some help in the secondary, and, and they're an aggressive team. He brought up the Panthers, which I thought was funny because, well, I guess they don't have a first-round pick, but they need receivers. Yeah. They might be looking at somebody. But then he said, don't rule out the possibility of the 49ers, as tremendous as, as, tremendous as they already look, adding a player if they think it can make a difference, adding a player if they think it can make a difference. The Niners have the biggest of goals for this season, and they were aggressive last year when running back Christian McCaffrey became available. Remember the Rams adding Bob Miller at the deadline a couple of years ago? If an opportunity for an impact guy like that comes along at the right cost, don't sleep on the Niners to do something. Yeah, if you've been paying attention to this regime, I think that's fair. Not only with the McCaffrey trade, which they did when they were, what, three and four? So it's not like mm-hmm. they were you know, playing yeah. great when they made that trade. But I always look back to the Emmanuel Sanders trade when yes. the Niners had not lost a game to that point, but the offense was sputtering and they, they needed mm-hmm. help and they were aggressive to bring in Emmanuel Sanders. And if they don't do that, they probably don't get to the Super Bowl that year without I him. I agree. Um, so that he made a big difference there. So I absolutely think that they're going to be aggressive and get somebody. And I, I don't know who that person is. I don't know if it's going to be looking to upgrade or just if they, if somebody is so good is available that they say, Hey, we have our foot on the gas. This is our season. We're, we're just, we're just going to add this piece. I don't know. I know, I know you really want Sertan. If and when the Broncos have a, have a fire sale, which would be great, yeah. If they can after add a lock down corner like that after tonight. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. If, yeah, if this that turns out, happens after tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's their right tackle? Maybe the Niners can trade for him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you kid. But I believe their left tackle might end up being available. Which Garrett Bowles at 
for, at right tackle, I would think it would be an upgrade over Colt McKibbitz. That's just me. Yeah, I, it's weird with offensive line, right? Because you kind of need, co- you know, for them to play together. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they would do anything there. And I, honestly, the offensive line is looking pretty guy, pretty good. I think. I mean, there's been some moments, but overall, it's not like you notice McKibbitz out there getting beat every play. You know, there's been a, there's been a few reps, but I think overall he's done a good job. Um, yeah. But I do. I think they're going to be aggressive. And again, I don't know who that person is, but they understand the assignment. We keep talking about this. They know it's 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 this year and maybe next year with this core. Players know it. The front office knows it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bring somebody in that's that's going to make a big impact. Yeah, and I, I think I think the question is not whether they would, but I think the more interesting question is where. Like, what position would they be looking for? And, yeah, they're so loaded. It's like right, and and to me, I don't think there's anything outside of offensive line. But like you said, offensive line is a is a unit, right? And unless there is an injury on that line before the trade deadline, which Aaron Banks has been practicing this week, so I I think he's going to play, mm-hmm. uh, which means that, that, that again the, the the same the same starting five. I don't think anywhere along the uh, on the offensive side of the ball would you be looking to add somebody. So now we're looking at the defensive side of the ball, and they brought in Randy Gregory, and I think that. I think that's a great move. It was a, a a zero risk move, right? They're paying this guy a million dollars and all they had to give up was a sixth round pick, but they got Gregory and a seventh back. And with how bad Denver is, that seventh round pick is likely going to be very close to the sixth round pick that mm-hmm. they gave up, right? So I would, I would venture to say that that sixth round pick is probably going to end up being only three, maybe four spots higher than that seventh round pick that they're getting back from, from Denver. I still think if someone like Brian Burns becomes available, you have to make that call because he's an absolute difference maker. Oh yeah. And both, and both Gregory and Burns would essentially be one year rentals as is Gregory's uh, contract has no more guaranteed money on it uh, after this season. So his contract's very similar to Christian McCaffrey's contract that they got last year where they can decide to hold on to him uh, and and pay him. I mean, that's a that's a, it's a big contract. You know, they signed he signed a five. It was a five for seventy, I believe. Um, and so, you know, it, that's a significant contract. I I would venture to say they probably aren't going to. But if he balls out, right, then then you go, hey, we've got this talented pass rusher for fourteen million dollars next year or whatever. Mm-hmm. But with Ryan Burns again the reason he'd be available is because the Panthers aren't wanting to pay him what he wants. And I I'm not saying that the 49ers would either, but similar to Von Miller, you bring in that guy. And can you imagine a defensive line with Brian Burns, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, and Nick Bosa? Like that's be fair. That would be unbelievable. Right. And, and Randy Gregory, (laughs) that's Randy Gregory. Although I think he'd be part of the deal. I would imagine. I would say, you try and trade a one and Randy Gregory and some change for Brian Burns, if that's what you want to do. But that's a, that's a great point though, because he's an impact type dude. Like you said, similar to the Von Miller trade with the Rams, you're trying to win the Super Bowl. You bring him in. He, he might be able to put you over the hump when you're, you yeah. got to beat a Jalen hurts when you probably right. are going to have to beat him a Holmes yep. or an Allen or, or a quarterback, of you know, that ilk in, in the Super Bowl. 
mm-hmm. somebody like that could put you over and that that's who they should be looking at. So that's, that's really interesting to me too, but I don't know. I kind of feel like Carolina's a little bit delusional. I don't know if they would trade or not. <laughs> Sounds like they're trying to add. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think that owner's well, a little bit I, crazy. It seems like he's I really think, involved there. Yeah. And I think they're trying the, the whole receiver thing, which is funny to me because they gave up DJ Moore to move up to get Bryce young. That's part of the, <laughs> yeah. the package. And now they're like, Oh damn. Like, you actually need somebody to catch the ball if you're trying to develop a rookie quarterback. And that I think is the, is the big aha moment that they've had, which was if we, we really like Bryce young, we're not doing him any favors this year with the, with the pass mm-hmm. catchers that we have, we need to bring somebody in. I don't know what that looks like for them. Um, you know, early, early, early in the season, like preseason, maybe into week one, I was like, Hey, what about Brandon? Ayuk? just straight up for Brian Burns. I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that anymore because I think Brandon Ayuk's here long-term and I think that's, he's more important to this team than, than Brian Burns would be. But yeah, I I, I think if they make a move and it's an impact move, it's either at edge or corner. Those are the only two places where I feel like they could use an upgrade, but Diamador Lenore has been playing really well. Mm Mm-hmm and Charvarius Ward is solid as solid can be. And so does that look like a, a, a Pats or Tan? I mean, you do that knowing oh. that that's a move for the future as well. But maybe what you're looking at is there's a team that is is ready to, you know, to, to move on or, or to give up on a, a an upgrade at, at slot, right? That I think that would be yeah, an upgrade there. Yeah. Um, or if it's an upgrade on the outside, then you move Demo to the slot. But yep. regardless, I think those are the two areas. If you're looking for the 49ers to make a move or if they do make a move, I think it's going to be edge or cornerback. I don't really think it fit. I don't think any other move fits for what they want, what they need or what they already have. Yeah. Unless, like you said, an injury happens to happen and then that kind of changes right. the game. But not gonna work. Right. we don't have to worry about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so this game this week, I was talk, talking earlier. It did seem like maybe a little bit of a scary trap game when you thought Watson was going to play. Now I, I cannot be afraid with P.J. Walker. Looks like or he's going to start. Thompson Watson Robinson. didn't practice. We recorded this on a Thursday. Watson did not practice again today. And he hasn't practiced since, I think, September 22nd. So the odds of him playing right now, I would think pretty slim. Yeah. So... They enter week six, these two teams, the top the top ranked defense in the league uh, with 196.8 yards is the Browns and the Niners um, ranked third with 266.8 yards allowed per game. Damn, the Niners lead the league in scoring gap. defense, 13.6, and the Browns are tied for second, allowing 15 points per game. So this is going to be the first game since 2013, which was the Patriots and the Saints featuring two teams that are each allowing 15 points or fewer in week six or later. So this is a big defensive game. And when you look at the Browns, the games that they had, week one's always a fluke. Joe Burrow's been hurt, kind of playing like Mm -hmm. shit for most of the season, but they Mm -hmm. only allowed three points to Cincy in week one. Burrow did look better last week, but week one, only three points to Cincy. 
The defense only allowed 12 points to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh scored 26, but they had two, two defensive touchdowns. Other than a long pass to George Pickens in the game, Pittsburgh couldn't do anything a week two against the Browns. Then they held Tennessee to three. Then Baltimore puts up 28 on them, but there were some short fields there. There were some turnovers in that game that mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have been as bad if Watson played. But you look at the numbers across the board here for, for, the, for the Browns, D. 3.8 yards per play. It's first. Um, they've only forced three turnovers. That's one thing to me. That's because I think the Niners hold on to the ball. Obviously, they're fine. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing they haven't done a lot of. But they've only given up 37 first downs. Scoring percentage is 17.6. That's first in the league. Uh, we mentioned yards being first in the league. QB knockdowns, they have 20 of them. That's first in the league. And they, they had a bye. So they're first that even if yeah, they've only game. played four games. 13 sacks, which was up there. It's not first, but it's it's up there after only playing four games. 30.3% pressure, pressure percentage. They're allowing just a 53.8 completion percentage. Yards per attempt rushing, 3.2. Points per drive, 0.92. All those are first. They've mm-hmm. been a dominant, dominant unit so far. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is going to be on the road. This is going to definitely be a test for the Niners. And if Watson was playing, I, I might say, oh, you know, if he hits on a couple throws or starts running around a little bit and it's it's a bad weather game or it's 13 to 10 type thing, something can happen. But I, I cannot be afraid, Brian, of P.J. Walker, yeah. who's got a career of 57% completion, five touchdowns and 11 interceptions. I just, yeah. if he starts, I, I can't be afraid of that because the Niners have their own defense. That's pretty good. Exactly. You know, I'm not, I am not concerned about this game in terms of the win column. I, I think the 49ers win this game and I, I, I think they, I, I still think they cover the spread because I don't think this Cleveland offense is going to be able to do anything against the 49ers defense. What I'm concerned about is the 30 point streak, which I do think ends this weekend. Um, you know, we were, we were talking, uh, prior to recording and, and, and we had, we had, uh, tweeted at each other a little bit, but, uh, Jack hammer of the Santa Rosa press Democrat tweeted out, uh, the Kyle Shanahan is one and eight as a coordinator, uh, or, or I will say as a play caller against mm-hmm. a Jim Schwartz led defense. Now that was with Jim Schwartz as either a head coach or a defensive coordinator. And that was with Kyle Shanahan as just a coordinator. Cause I don't think as the 49ers head coach, I don't think that he has played a Jim Schwartz defense. I could be wrong, but regardless one and eight, it's not great. Not only was it one and eight, but it's, it, it, he was one and eight and his offensive offenses have averaged less than 16 points a game. He had two. And as so, a head coach that I found two games against. Schwartz. Okay. Okay. And I think the interesting thing is, you know, Jim Schwartz, runs a very similar defense to the 49ers. In fact, the wide nine that Chris Kosurik brought to uh, to San Francisco is uh, a part of Jim Schwartz's legacy. Jim Schwartz learned under Jim Washburn, who brought the wide nine to the NFL and then used that as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach. And so... I, when, when the 49ers, when we knew that the 49ers were going to need a new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz was actually the guy that I wanted them to get. Um, I thought that, I thought that he would be a perfect fit specifically because again, he runs a very similar offense or not offense defense. My apologies. 
Uh, I respect Jim Schwartz as a defensive coordinator, and that Cleveland defense is legit. And what's wild to me is it is largely all the same personnel as they had last year when they couldn't stop a nosebleed. And that just tells you and just goes to show, you know, what what kind of impact Jim Schwartz has had on this defense so far in Cleveland. And to me, the biggest concern is, and Kyle Shanahan said this, somebody asked him, why is it difficult to go against a Jim Schwartz defense? And he said, they rush the passer every snap. Uh, just meaning that they basically tell their defensive line, look, get upfield as quick as possible towards the quarterback, right? If it's a run, you know, collapse on the run, but mm -hmm. pin your ears back and go get the quarterback. And they have arguably the best guy in the world at doing that. And that's miles Garrett. And that guy terrifies me. And if I'm, if I'm Jim Schwartz, I just put miles Garrett over Colton McKivitz all game and say, go eat. And I would imagine that that's probably largely going to be something that happens. So that, that, that scares me. I think the one area of weakness for this team is their linebackers. Their linebackers play well downhill, so that's why they defend the run well. Uh, they don't defend well in the pass, and I think Kyle Shanahan's going to try his best to exploit that. But the other thing that this team has is two legitimate shutdown corners on the outside. So they play mm -hmm. a lot of man coverage. They'll sprinkle in zone every once in a while, but they play a ton of man. Now, Brock Purdy has been elite against both man and zone coverage so far this season. I'm not worried about him being able to take care of the ball. What I'm worried about is him not being able to throw it because there's dudes in his face all mm -hmm. game long. And so that to me is, is, is the biggest, the biggest matchup is going to be this Cleveland defensive line against the San Francisco offensive line. You know, you said earlier that they've largely held up and, and that's true, but I think they've largely held up because so far this season, they've been getting rid of the ball really, really quickly. You know, you watch mm -hmm. Brock Purdy, and it's a lot of three-step, five-step drops, and that ball is out. Not because he doesn't trust his offensive line, but just because he is processing so quickly that he's able yeah. to, you know, he knows what he knows what the defense is giving him, and he knows where he wants to go pre-snap, and it's great. Um, But if it's gross weather-wise that's again, a concern to me. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I I'm not worried about this 49ers defense being able to, you know, be, being able to take care of a PJ Walker or Dorian Thompson Robinson led Cleveland Browns offense that also doesn't have Nick Chubb. That's another big issue for them. You know, they, they are banged up too. Yeah. And they are, they're, they are just like the 49ers in that they would prefer to run the ball a hundred times a game, if that's what they could do. Uh, and, and Kyle Shanahan will run the ball. Well, the 49ers lead the league in uh, percentage of run place, which is at 54% right now. So my question is this, this Cleveland Browns defense is great against the pass and they're only, they're allowing less than 200 total yards a game, but I don't think they've faced a running attack. The, likes of which you get with San Francisco. Now they've played Tennessee and Derrick Henry and they held mm -hmm. them to three points, but that Tennessee, but Derrick Henry is not Christian McCaffrey. And 
Tennessee doesn't have the kind of depth at running back. Elijah Mitchell's back at practice, which means he'll probably suit up on Sunday. So you've got McCaffrey, you've got Mitchell, you've got Jordan Mason, mm. you've got Yuschek. I, I I think I think this game, and I think Kyle Shanahan is probably going to, I, I would imagine, try very hard in that first quarter to establish the run and see where he gets with it. And if he doesn't, then I think he'll start to switch it up. Uh, and so it'll just be interesting to see. It's it's definitely a chess match. This is to me the bigger test than a much bigger test than that Dallas defense. I thought that Dallas. I think that Dallas defense is good. I don't think it's as good as Cleveland. I also don't think it's as good as San Francisco. Um, this is the best defense that this team has faced, and it's the biggest test for this offense so far this season. And I'm excited to see kind of how they rise to the occasion and see what it looks like. And if they if they put up 30 on this defense. It's over. It's over for the league. There's not yeah, another not. defense that's anywhere near as good as this one. And and it's just, you know, they're just going to roll. Injuries, I went up I, you know, notwithstanding. I went and looked cuz I saw I saw what Jack said about those um Jim Schwartz games. So I went back and looked cuz mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm a loser. That's what I do. I think about this stuff. <laughs> but I found eight games. So I think I'm missing one, maybe maybe okay. two in there. But 2020 they lost 20, Niners lost 25 to 20. The quarterbacks were CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. 2017, 33 to 10. Quarterback was CJ Beathard. There's a theme here. Um, yes. 2014, when Schwartz was with Buffalo, uh, Shanahan was with Cleveland, 24 10 with Brian Hoyer. Lost in 2013, Schwartz was with Detroit, 27 20 with RG3. 2010, 37 25 with McNabb and Grossman. And then I saw a couple games in 2008, uh, 31-12 with Schaub, and then they won a game. Um, the Texans did when Shanahan was offensive coordinator, 13-12 with Schaub. The one game that would have me a little bit concerned out of this bunch, got to go back to 2016, 25-15. There it is. Ryan. There it is. MVP that's year. the one. That's, that's, that's the one that's game the one. where you're like, oh, okay. Because yeah. I look at the rest of these and I'm like, yeah, CJ, come on. Like, what are we yeah. really – I know it's a big, big sample size, but it's mm-hmm. not like he was going into these games with, with even, right. even Garoppolo. Right. But the Matt Ryan one, you're like, uh, yeah. okay, that's, that's, that's a, a statement game right there, but we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. Like you said, this offense has been, has been humming on all cylinders. And Brian, if they do hit 30 in this game, they're going to tie the 2006, 2007 Patriots for nine games in a row, which would be the fourth most. And then after that, it's the Broncos 2012, 2013 at 11. The Patriots again, 2010-11 at 13, and then the Rams, uh, greatest show on turf, 99 and 2014 games. They did 30 plus in a row. There, uh, and there was a Bronco, the Peyton Manning Broncos, I believe, had a, a stretch of 15 between two different seasons. Oh, really? This is NFL yeah. Communications. Let's see if that's in there. Ah, uh, nine. Okay, so they're talking regular season games. So maybe did the Broncos okay. have it in playoffs? Maybe. I believe so. I believe it was to end one season and then the beginning of the next season. Okay, so, so that makes sense. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to say too, um, we're talking about things to look for in this game. So McCaffrey scored a touchdown in 14 straight games now. If he gets another one, 15 ties OJ Simpson and John Riggins for second all time, including the postseason. And the guy he's reaching for is Lenny Moore, who has 17 total. So that would be oh, wow. tying the record. And what all those guys have in common. And even the person he's tied with right now, Emmett Smith, they're all in the Hall of Fame. 
and McCaffrey might be headed there as well. Uh, this Niners team is just full of people that when you look at them, you think maybe they're headed to the Hall of Fame. So listen, every week we're looking at these games and we're talking about another milestone. Purdy's got a bunch again that we could, we just talked so much about Purdy. I didn't, I didn't write those down, but Purdy and McCaffrey and, and what the defense is doing. There's just all these milestones constantly. It's just, this team is absolutely loaded. So this game is going to be a test for them, this offense. And, and I can't wait to see how, how they come through with it and how they do on it. But again, if it is a sloppy game for them, if it's not a crisp game, if Purdy does have a couple turnovers, if they do struggle, you know what? I don't care. I, I think they're going to bounce back yeah. the following week. So it's not one of those yeah. things where I think you have to take the temperature every quarter, every week and be like, Oh, did we, we told you, I don't think it's that anymore. I think this is consistently a very good offense with a very good quarterback and one slip up. I said this last week, I'm not going crazy. If it happens, it happens. They'll bounce back in week seven. And, and I don't, I don't expect them to have a sloppy game in that, you know, their execution is sloppy, right? If it's sloppy, it's just going to be because the field is sloppy because it's raining. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I forgot to check. I don't know what the, what the forecast looks like now, but you know, I just go back to what, what we talked about last episode and the mindset that this team has, which is one game at a time. And I think they're so locked in and they're so locked in on that idea of one game at a time. And I don't think they take any game on their schedule lightly, regardless of opponent. And that is a winner's mindset because mm -hmm. when you take teams lightly, especially in the NFL is, is when you get got. And I don't think, I, I think they're so locked in. They're so locked in, not just on, on that mindset, but just so locked in on this goal of, of winning the Super Bowl. I, I think it's so important to not just Kyle Shanahan, but all those veteran leaders on that team that I don't think there's anybody on that team that wouldn't keep another teammate, bring them back in line. If they start to chirp a little bit about like future, you know, future games or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't expect them to come out and be sloppy execution wise. This team always has penalties. I'm not sure what that's about. I think a lot of it mm -hmm. has to do more with just all the motion and the intricacies of this offense and things like that. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. If they lose, they lose because the, the Cleveland Browns defense just put on a, a, a an impressive showing. But mm -hmm. I, I also don't think they're going to lose this game because I don't think that Cleveland Browns offense is going to be able to do anything against this, you know, against this 49ers defense. And so I, you know, I, I do think that 30 point streak dies, which is a bummer because I would love to see that keep going, but I'm also wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't, because that's what this offense has been doing so far this season. And uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited for the game and, you know, I'm excited to see them rise to this occasion, just like they've risen to every occasion since those lights turned on on week one. Yeah. Too many ways to kill you for them to, to have. A, a really bad game on offense. You just, for yeah. all those guys not to play well on the same days, the odds on that are slim, but yep. so it looks like it's going to be on and off rain showers in Cleveland. So it could be a little wet and it looks like it's going to rain on Saturday. So maybe the, the field is a little wet or whatever. So I agree with you. I didn't think they were going to hit 30 points last week and they dropped 42, but right. Um, exactly. For at least exactly. this week, I'm going to, I'm going to also say that it's, it's going to, they're not going to hit 30 and it's going to end. But again, I don't think Cleveland, it matters with Cleveland's offense. So, I'm going to say they'll get to 24. 
I'll say the score is going to be 24 to 10 Niners. I don't think that Cleveland can score. The Cleveland offense can score a touchdown against this 49ers defense with PJ Walker or Dorian Thompson Robinson as, as the quarterback. So I will say that the 49ers win. I'm going to, I had 24 in my head, right? When you said it, that's two weeks in a row where we, <laughs> we went with the same point total for the 49ers. Uh, but I'm going to say 24, six, uh, San Francisco. There you have it. Six and oh, baby. That's where we're headed. That's and covering right. the spread. You both have them covering the spread. Yes. Yes. Which I think is eight right now. So I'm, so, I'm getting way too into this betting stuff. I love I'm going to be asking I you for it. money pretty soon. It's going to get, <laughs> gonna get pretty ugly. I'm going to say to the listeners, uh, if you want to send us any money to help my uh, gambling, gambling gonna addiction. Up, we're going to set up a Patreon just so Al can continue to gamble. So, so I can gamble. But no, I'm too cheap to ever. I do like, but I had a great week last week, dude. So I think I bet, I don't know, $22 or something over what I did. Uh-huh. I, I did pretty well. So like, that's all nice. I'll ever do. I won't, I won't do more than so far. Like, I don't know, all the time I spend researching and looking at football it's i don't know why i didn't do this sooner so um but again talk to me in week 16 when i'm like out on the corner begging for change in the hole (laughs) i bet the the house and the car yeah yeah i don't do i don't do any gambling but i do i do espn's you know pick them but i do it against the spread just because i think that's more of a challenge Mm -hmm. and uh i am two games under 500 right now so i'm pretty actually pretty impressed with that because I think picking against the spread can be pretty difficult, and so I'm. I, it is. I, I, I hope. I hope after this week that I'm that I'm over 500, but we'll see. Unless you tease games and you pick like four of them and you do the teasers, right. and then you get that yeah. spread a little bit bigger. I like the money line bets. Like this is a real easy money line week because I feel like you got um, Miami's going to destroy the Panthers. Yes, the Bills are going to destroy the Giants. I'll tell you what. Some of those spreads games. right now though are are wild. <laughs> really like, big yeah so just kind yeah. of go on the money line and it's like you know i don't know yeah, yeah. I have a problem people so yeah anyway <laughs> until next week it. i'm crying that i lost everything next week uh i'm al brian thanks everybody later nine is on three. One, two, three. Nine! Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.